We're studying another lesson from the book of John, and as we went through this uh, summer series, it's been really good. Uh, uh, I'll tell you my strategy for picking out a lesson. I noticed that when we first got this book, there were very specific lessons uh, about feeding the 5,000, about Jesus walking on water. And to me, I felt like I needed much more uh, than a couple of pages over those very specific events. So I thought I picked the broadest lesson possible in this book. And the title of our lesson tonight is Who is Jesus of Nazareth? So I couldn't get any broader than that for the book of John. Um, the lesson is... Uh, taught by, and the material comes by a preacher by the name of Jacob Evans. Uh, he's a preacher in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, and he just, I watched his video of this, and he just did a fantastic job of presenting this lesson. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy it too. Uh, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, there's really no more important question in our life that we've got to get right, uh, and that is this question of who is Jesus of Nazareth? And really, our whole life depends on it, if you think about it. Our whole eternal soul depends on getting this question correct. I ran across a stat that just really made me sad, and I really couldn't hardly believe it. Uh, it was a poll of uh, people in England, and uh, 40% of British people, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it, it's a survey nonetheless, did not believe that Jesus even existed. Um, and I thought that was really just a, an outstanding, outlandish number of people. But that shows you how much misinformation and bad information, if ever was fake news, uh, that is one of them. Uh, it's out there. So hopefully after we go through the lesson, uh, we can uh, uh, improve upon that and uh, hope you, we all have a very clear understanding about who Jesus of Nazareth is. But mistaken identities are a problem. Uh, sometimes we get people confused. Uh, I've had a couple of things where I've been confused for someone else, and then I've confused something for something else. And I'll tell you those brief stories real quick. When I was a high school student, uh, just uh, driving, uh, just got my license not long, driving like I think a 1986 Nissan pickup. Uh, I'm almost home, I can see the home stretch. And I see this blue lights right behind me. And I was like, oh, no, I wouldn't even speed. I'm in difficult. I'm just about to make my turn. So I, I, I panic a little bit, but I pull over in a good spot right there. And before I know it, there's another deputy pulls right in front of my truck like that. And I couldn't even go anywhere. I got one in behind me locked, blocked me in and one in the front blocked me in. And I thought, oh, no, it's the first time I've ever been pulled over. I didn't know that's the way, way it goes. Uh, but I get out there and the sheriff's deputy, he, he slams open my door and he starts basically accusing me of robbing Water Brothers. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know. And so he asked me tons and tons of questions about who my parents were, who I was, where I was going. I'm like, I'm just right there. I'm going home. But eventually, roundabout, we got it straightened out. Uh, someone who robbed Water Brothers supposedly drove a truck just like mine. Uh, but that was a case of mistaken identity. Uh, and another thing, uh, I used to, in high school, I used to like to play computer games. Uh, and I get involved in these games and nothing. I, I play them late at night, as, as high school kids do often. And I would really need that, that Mountain Dew and all that caffeine in Mountain Dew to keep me going into these intense video game playing. So um, I go, I'm, I'm one night, I, I go to grab that drink and I pick it up and I drink it. And it is not Mountain Dew. Uh, in fact, it was my father's platoon, uh, and that, it was just awful. 
But that is an example of a mistaken identity that that really cost me. It cost me a lot. Uh, it almost cost me a, a whole lot. Uh, but <laughs> no telling. But mistaken identities can have consequences, and there is no greater consequence than getting Jesus wrong, mistaking his identity for someone he's not. Uh, I, I thought about that. I thought about, well, what are some of the other world's main religions? What do they think about Jesus of Nazareth? Uh, so I looked him up. Uh, the Hindus, uh, they believe Jesus to be a holy man. Uh, nothing more. Nothing really less. Just a holy man. Uh, the Muslims, they believe a lot about Jesus. They believe he was a prophet of God. He was born of a virgin, performed miracles. Uh, and they and some Muslims even believe he's coming back uh, a second time. Buddhists uh, believe that Jesus is an enlightened person. Uh, maybe someone, he's a great teacher. He's been resurrected, obviously, by some of the, the great qualities that he has, probably multiple times. He's an enlightened person. Uh, the Jews believe that Jesus is not the Messiah. He was not the chosen one, Jesus of Nazareth. But the, they all get it wrong because uh, none of them believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And uh, that's a problem of mistaken identity, of not being able to correctly identify Christ. So let's go to the Bible. Grab your Bible. We're going to walk through John to see what uh, the Gospel of John says about Jesus. A lot of good points in this. Um, and John does a wonderful job of really just putting Jesus center stage in his book. Every passage, every chapter has Jesus as that center focus. Uh, so it's a wonderful book if you're trying to determine who this Jesus of Nazareth is. So we'll start the lesson by giving you kind of two bookend passages, one from early John and one from the very end of John. But in John 1, verse 49, you've got someone who's able to correctly identify Jesus, and that's a refreshing thing. And this is someone, you know, we don't talk about a ton, but he feels like to me he just really gets it. Uh, he got it better than I would, I would have at the time and maybe better than, than you would have. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Nathaniel here. And we'll, we'll start in verse 48. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This is early. This is really early in Jesus's ministry. Uh, Nathaniel got it. He got it right away. Uh, and let's go to John chapter 20 to see kind of the end. We, uh, I think Andy did a wonderful lesson on Thomas. And this is an example of Thomas towards the end of the book of John. Uh, he needed a little extra reassurance. And Andy did a good job of presenting that lesson in a way that I think was helpful for us. But in uh, John chapter 20, verse 28 right here. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas got it at that point, too. He was Lord and God. They were able to correctly identify Jesus of Nazareth. Now let's go back to the first of John. Um, and as always, uh, if you've got comments, I really encourage you to share them. 
We're going to walk through the book of John and uh, see some of the different designations that Jesus of Nazareth got. Uh, some of these are things he said about himself. Uh, some of these are things that other people said about him. And some of these are things that are very negative. So I think it's a good mixture, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means of things that are identified of Jesus. But the very first book, verse in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you see that Jesus is identified as the Word. He's identified as being with God. In verse 4, you see that he's identified again as in him was life, and life was the light of men. He's identified as the light of men. And that's a, that's a beautiful passage and way to put who Jesus is. He's the light of men. He is our hope. Uh, verse 9, go to it. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He's the true light that gives us all hope and light. And I really like in verse 29, uh, this designation of Jesus has always been one of my favorites. Uh, and the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see John right here going back and looking at the Old Testament of the sacrificial system of those lambs and what they did uh, during those times. But Jesus, as the Lamb of God, that chosen one, and that's what He is for us, the sacrificial Lamb that can cleanse us of our sins. In, verse, in chapter 3, we'll skip through some. Verse 2, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night and said to Him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So Jesus here is a teacher from God. You know, there were some of the other world religions that would agree with that. Uh, Jesus being a great teacher from God. Verse 18 of chapter 3. He who believes, this is Jesus talking about Himself. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there you have it right there, Jesus identifying Himself as God's Son. Now we've heard that our whole lives thousands and thousands of times. But during that time, that was quite the shocking claim right there. Uh, but it was very true nonetheless. Chapter 4, verse 9. You have the Samaritan woman right here. Then the woman of Samaria, Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. So she identifies Jesus pretty clearly as a Jew. And that's what he was. He was a born Jew. Uh, for, verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, she changed after talking with him for a little bit. Uh, she added another title to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Uh, so amazed at what he talked about. Uh, and Jesus was. a Wonderful prophet. A wonderful Jew. Verse 25, Even we even go in further down the line here. And then the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So Jesus designates Himself as the Messiah. 
There again, another one of those shocking claims that the Jewish people during that time were anxiously awaiting for a Messiah, for the chosen one. Uh, and Christ comes as that Messiah. And then you have people still during that time that rejected that. And you have people still today who reject that Jesus was the Messiah. Chapter 6, verse 42, and I'll try to speed up on some of these. I've got a long list. And, uh, and they said, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? So here's some skeptical people right here. Uh, we know you, Jesus. We know your dad. Uh, we know your family. Uh, you can't be who you say you are. We know you. You know, you got thinking about his brothers. Uh, can you imagine the conversation Joseph and Mary had to have with uh, Jesus' brothers telling him about who Jesus was? Uh, you know, James, June, this, this guy is he's the son of God. Uh, you know, for brothers, that was hard for them. That was really hard for them. And it took them a long time to come around and believe that. Uh, but I can imagine that was uh, quite the conversation. Uh, chapter 7, verse 12. And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. He's a good man. We hear that sometimes. Some of the things that we're going to point to some comments that people make today. They'll say Jesus is a good man. Most people will say that. Verse 20 of chapter 7. Uh, these people disagree with that. They don't think he's a good man. In fact, they think he's a demon. He's got a demon. Uh, you see him say that. Uh, in 41, again, you see that Christ is, that Jesus is designated as the Christ. In chapter 8, verse 48, I uh, thought this was an interesting one. Uh, again, kind of using slander towards him. Then the Jews answered and said to him, do we rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? They're really trying to discredit Jesus here. Uh, not only does he have a demon, but maybe even worse to them at the time, he was a Samaritan. Uh, now, I, I don't know that there's any evidence to support that Jesus was a Samaritan. But that's just, we hear that slang and we hear that slander in times and maybe around here. You know, don't worry about him. Don't listen to him. He's from so-and-so. He's from somewhere. Uh, he's, 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 don't listen to him. Uh, and that's what they're trying to put with Jesus. Nobody needs to be following him. Nobody needs to be listening to him. He's got a demon and he's a Samaritan. So the resulting lies, uh, trying to, to discredit Christ. Again, they had a hard time identifying exactly who Jesus of Nazareth was. In that, chapter 9, verse 24, uh, they again, continuing. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. This man, Jesus has just healed the blind man. Give God the glory. This man who healed you, he's a sinner. You can't, you can't be with him. It can't, he can't have done that. He's a sinner. Why do they think he's a sinner? They thought he had violated the Sabbath. Uh, but Jesus, he, he just had a good way of, of, of always being correct. And, and Pharisees, they saw the law this way. And Jesus just, he saw the full picture, the fullness of the law. But they couldn't get their brains around some of the things that he did. And as a result, they thought he must be a sinner. He's violated the Sabbath. Encourage this guy to do these things. In chapter 10, verse 7, 
Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I like it when he uses figurative language to explain who he is. We can all visualize that sheep getting in. There's a door, Jesus being that gateway right there. And he's that same door for us today between the righteous and the unrighteous. In verse 33, he's identified as a man. In verse 11, chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus identifies himself here, I believe. Uh, chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is our resurrection. He is our life. Uh, I'm going to skip through the last one. In 14.6, he identifies himself as the way and the truth. In 15.1, he identifies himself as the true vine. And in 18.33, he's identified as the king of the Jews. So it brings us to people today. That, that's the gospel right there, John, identifying Jesus right there. Uh, that's who Jesus of Nazareth was. Some of that's true and some of that was made up accusations to try to uh, discredit him. But you can see by reading most of those that, that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah, was the Christ, and quite a special person for us. But what about people today? Some people may say that he was a mythic, legendary figure. You know, I get that quote um, of the British population saying 40% think, well, he really, you know, wasn't even, didn't even live on this earth, wasn't born. Um, and I don't know what that would be in America. I'm curious on that, if they ever did that survey, what percentage of our population believes that. It seems like when I was younger, I used to hear that from time to time on the news or from this or that, that, you know, Jesus, he probably didn't even live. Uh, we don't hear that as much anymore. I don't. Maybe you do. I think there is, and I will make some points on the historical evidence. Uh, the more things we've uncovered, it's very clear that Jesus lived on this earth. Uh, but maybe you've heard someone say that. Hey, you know, he's a legendary figure. He really, really didn't even live. But what you've got, you've got four gospel eyewitness. You've got two of these are direct eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Uh, and you've got the other two that are pretty direct accounts. Uh from Jesus as well. And they're both written, but they're all four written within a period where they could have been around Jesus. Uh, that's from historical point of view, that's pretty accurate. Uh, especially you go back 2000 years, uh, you're really getting a fantastic account of authenticity when you go that way. But the Bible's not wrote, New Testament's not wrote in a way that would, would be mythic. Uh, I mean, Jesus did some wonderful, miraculous things. Uh, but you see, the way these are constructed, the, the words in these gospels, uh, uh, some of the ways of way they elevate women. Uh, there are many women named throughout the New Testament. Uh, that's not common. Uh, that's not common during writings of that time, and then even for several centuries later. Um, but you see the good, the bad, and the ugly accounts of all these characters in the Bible. Uh, but uh, one of the quotes, and we'll get to some of these about. What do the other people around Jesus' time, what kind of historical evidence do we have that Jesus uh, lived during that time? Well, we actually, it turns out we had quite a bit. Uh, Josephus, I know we've all kind of heard that name, but he was a Jewish historian. These, the next little bit I'm going to give are different people who weren't Christians, but they lived around the time of Christ and they wrote about Christ. Uh, Josephus was one of the most popular ones. Uh, his, his work is, is hardly... Uh, 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 criticized very much. 
because uh, it's quite authentic. But he was a first century Jewish historian, uh, lived kind of around that Rome, Rome area, Rome. Uh, but he, he writes all about Jesus. He said Jesus lived, many believed on him to be the Messiah. Uh, he, he has passages that deal with the death of Jesus' brother James. Uh, he says this, and, and said, in referring to, to James here, says this Jesus was the one who was called Christ. And then he also describes the condemnation and crucifixion of Jesus at the hands of the Romans. Historically, if you're building a case for Christ, that's pretty strong evidence right there. You've got somebody who's not a Christian and who's writing all about the details that are in the Gospels. So it lines right up. He didn't, he didn't contradict the Gospels there. You've got an even further credible witness right here, Tacitus, and I know I didn't pronounce that correctly, but he was a Roman historian and senator. Uh, senators in Roman government during that time were nearly... Only Caesar had more power, and only the, the emperors had more power than these guys. These were the top-of-the-line people. And this guy had access to all kinds of records and reports. Anything he wanted, he could have had. And he was a thorough historian. But he refers to Christ, his execution by Pilate, names Pilate. Of course, he would have been a Roman. He knew all about Pilate. And the existence of early Christians in Rome in his book, The Annals, uh, and that was wrote around A.D. 116. But he was no friends of Christians either. Uh, he was quite negative. And uh, growing up during that time, he would have been very familiar with their persecution and murder. But he wrote about Christians because they were there. And he wrote about Christ because he knew that Christ lived. He knew that, that he had been crucified and condemned. Uh, one, of the famous, one of the historians... Uh, made this quote. Uh, his name was John Dominique Crossan, and he put it this way. He said that Jesus was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be, since both Josephus and Tatticus agree with the Christian accounts on at least that basic fact. So there you go. You've got that population in England of 40% who says Jesus didn't even live, and then you've got famous historians saying that there's more evidence that Jesus lived than Julius Caesar. There's more evidence that Jesus lived and died on this earth than nearly any historical figure. Hard to refute that. And even atheistic historians, they don't even want to try to make that argument that Jesus didn't live and Jesus didn't die and Jesus wasn't crucified. A couple more of these and we'll move on. Uh, these were, I was not familiar with these at all. Uh, Mara Barsarpian. Uh, he was a Syrian philosopher, lived around 73 AD. That's right there during the time of Christ, right there after his uh, crucifixion. Uh, but he was writing a letter to his son. Uh, Syria, of course, just being not really that far and really kind of the, the head of that Roman area in the Middle East right there. Uh, but he writes this, and I thought this was interesting. He's, his letter to his son, he's explaining about three wise men who were being unjustly killed. Uh, these three wise men he's going to name is Socrates, Pythagoras, and the wise king of the Jews. So he doesn't name Jesus specifically, but it's very universally agreed that this wise king of the Jews is Christ. Uh, unjustly killed. Now, no one doubts that Socrates lived. No one doubts that Pythagoras lived. But you've got those that struggle with correctly identifying Christ when they really, really shouldn't. 
The final one we'll talk about is Pliny. Uh, he was a governor in northern Turkey. So you see Paul, he did a lot of missionary work up there. So he was familiar with Christians during that time. Uh, he even wrote to some of the Roman rulers that the Christians had worshipped Christ as a god. So he was able to correctly identify Christ. He hated Christians. Uh, but he was able to correctly identify who Christ was and who the Christians thought he was, the Son of God. So hopefully we've made some points that uh, you can easily refute anyone who believes that Jesus did not live on this earth. But you've got more people who might go, yeah, Jesus lived. We, we've probably heard that. And, you know, he was an exceptionally bright Jewish rabbi. Uh, he was a great moral teacher and a philosopher. You might hear that one. I've heard that one a few times in my life. Uh, but why does this not work? Uh, you know, Jesus was good and he was a great teacher, a great philosopher. But I, to, to say he's an exceptionally bright Jewish rabbi, well, what does the gospel account say to that? If that was true, these Jewish, these Pharisees, they would have loved Jesus, right? He would have been right down their alley, just what they need, a great Jewish rabbi that they could all gather around and learn from. It's not the way they treated him. It's not the way they treated him at all. They hated him, in fact, and they attempted to kill him multiple times. Now, if he was a great Jewish rabbi and a good teacher, they would have been all for him. But they didn't. They hated him. Tried to kill him. In fact, Jesus was, you know, they, they may like his teachings and say, man, he, he just really could teach. He taught all about morality. He taught all about these good things. Uh, we can really apply those. He was just a brilliant man. Well, Jesus did. He taught about good things. He taught about greed. He taught about lust. He taught about all kinds of worldliness and things like that. But you know what? He also equally told himself that he was the son of God. Uh, he made outlandish claims uh, that they were not aware of. Now, if Jesus was around that time teaching and making all those outlandish claims, people knew better. They were, nobody would follow him. Nobody. You saw those people in, in one of the books that they turned away. They, these teachings were, were hard to hear for. Them. Uh, but those Jewish, if he was just this exceptionally bright Jewish <laughs> rabbi and this great moral teacher and philosopher, well, surely he wouldn't be making these claims about being divinity and being the son of God. Some people might even say that he's a cult leader who's trying to build his own power base and overthrow the powers to be. I think I've heard this one as well. Maybe you have this too. Uh, I think this is, this is kind of ironic that this would have been exactly what the Jews were looking for. They were looking for a physical, worldly leader to overthrow the wicked and wretched Roman government. They despised them. So this would have been right up their alley. If that was Jesus, what do you think these people would have been? What about the Pharisees, the high priest? Would they have been sought, seeking to kill him? No, absolutely not. They would have been seeking to, to encourage him. Here's your weapons. Here's your swords. How many men do you need? Let's go get them. Jews love nothing more than a good revolt. It wasn't that many years earlier they had revolted from uh, Roman control. And it wasn't going to be too many years later they were going to attempt another one. There was even a whole sect of Jews during that time, the Zealots. That that's, was their big thing. Let's go. Let's go revolt. Jesus would have been just what they were looking for. He would have been their cup of tea. They would have got behind him. But that's not what we find in the Gospels. That's not what we find in the, the other accounts of history. In fact, Jesus had opportunity early on. To be crowned king. When he was early, he was super popular in some areas. They wanted to crown him king. They wanted to lift him up. 
He didn't. He didn't say, "Yeah, let's do that. Let's go." No, he wasn't a cult leader. He wasn't trying to overthrow the government. Even when he's in the garden, uh, those soldiers finally coming to him. Uh, you know, uh, what does Peter do? Grabs that sword, cuts cuts his ear off. What does Jesus tell him to do? If he was a cult leader trying to overthrow, his sword would have been there. He would have encouraged Peter to keep going. We need to escape. We need to overthrow. That's not what our Savior did. He knew what his role was. He knew who he was. Uh, so he encouraged Peter to put it down. There's a role to be done. Some might say he's just some religious leader that got killed 2,000 years ago. Some might say that. But that discounts from a Christian point of view uh, everything. Everything. Uh, if that was just the case, Christian faith in its roots would have never taken off. There was more. There was more to it than that. And I'm going to skip a little bit since we've got the bell, and I apologize. Y'all have not spoken any. So please, jump in and speak. Um, there's not a better thing than correctly identifying who Jesus of Nazareth is. So in a book right here, uh, Mr. Evans, he makes some good points on why we need to correctly identify who Jesus is. And then bullet point number one was we've got to believe in Jesus for who he is. Uh, if we don't, we will die in our sins. That's in uh, John chapter 8 right there. We have got to correctly identify who he is. If a person misidentifies him, then that person will not believe in him and they will die in their sins. And uh, we went through a long list of different people and how they misidentified who Jesus was. And there's not a sadder thing to think about than people not truly knowing who Christ is. Uh, the second point was we've got to confess Jesus because of who he is. We have got to confess him. In Jesus' time, there were people who were too scared to confess him. Uh, we cannot be in that position. We've got to confess him because he is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. We can't just believe and not have that true confession and true encouragement and confidence in who he is. Uh, we need to obey Jesus because of who he is. We've got to obey on the Mount of Transfiguration. That was what God said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We've got to obey Jesus if we're going to correctly identify him. In closing, you know, Pilate, he, he had the, the conscription on the cross there, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. Now, a lot of people in the world today say a lot of different things about who Jesus is. You see him during his time. They called him a sinner. They called him a Samaritan. They called him demon-possessed. What do you say about himself? He's the Son of God. What do you say about him? What would you write on that? We could put all kinds of things. He's the king of kings. He's our sacrificial lamb. He's our savior. Maybe we would just put that. But we could simply end it by saying that he is everything. And to correctly identify him is the most important thing we will ever do. All right. Thank you all very much.